All right, boys, here's the plan. Jaden, I need you to blow the door on my mark and clear the way for us. Then, Lawrence will take the shot and neutralize the target. Clear? Got it, boss. Now, was it red, green, red, or red, green, green, red? <sighs> and he's supposed to be the demolitions expert. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Jaden. And we have a special episode uh, coming up for you here. I'm very excited to talk about some of my favorite clone troopers in the entire Star Wars canon, the one and only Delta Squad. These guys are the baddest of the bad, and they are the stars of probably, maybe, it's up there, one of my favorite Star Wars games ever made. Star Wars Republic Commando came out in 2005, I believe, and it's a it's a classic. So long ago. In a galaxy far away, no doubt. <laughs> a long, long time ago and very far, far away. That's right. But it, it, t- it took place uh, in a very interesting time in Star Wars history. The, uh, the Clone Wars, obviously. And, you know, when the Clone Wars rolled along, the Republic knew they needed a special breed of troopers to do the dirty jobs that the rank and file weren't cut out for. Thus, the commandos were created. They were kind of bred and uh, trained and raised in four-man teams, uh, squads, and they were they operated as very close-knit units, almost, almost as a family, a band of brothers, if you will. And Delta Squad were a prime example of everything great about the Republic commandos. Most of all, because of their unique personalities that came out during the game and in the various stories that they appeared in. From a gameplay perspective, I think it would be very, very boring if all four characters of a squad-based shooter kind of acted the same, sounded the same, behaved the same, and they were just identical suits of armor. So luckily, that's not what we got in Republic Commando. We got Boss, Fixer, Scorch, and Sev. They were individuals. They were unique men with their own kind of inclinations and quirks. They all had preferences. They brought the team to life in a lot of ways. So before we get started, I have to ask, who's your favorite Delta Squad member? Uh, That's a tough one. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with a boss, though, you know, the the man in charge, because he is voiced by Tomara Morrison, Django Fett himself. You can't beat that. That's pretty awesome. What about you, Jaden? I'm going to have to go with Boss as well. I mean, I... Copycat. I know, but he's just... He's just kind of the best. I mean, he he was the definitive voice of the Clone Troopers, although for me, it that kind of got overshadowed by the later Clone Wars TV show series that, that I consider uh, the voice actor for 
the Clone Wars series to be the definitive voice now, but that's just because I've heard him so much now. Or D. Bradley Baker. Oh, yeah, he's awesome, too. He's for great, sure. which is why I loved how uh, in Battlefront they have both voices at the same time. I think that's awesome. Well, you guys both picked wrong because the best <laughs> member is Scorch. That's fair. I knew you'd like Scorch. He's got the best hot takes, and uh, he is uh, the he he best represents me. Oh yeah, I can see that. You're 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 quick you're quick with the witty observations as well, just like Scorch's. Yes, you can't see it, but I'm giving you the finger guns right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's even introduced to the player during the game as uh, quote unquote the heart and soul of your squad. He kind of like keeps Delta grounded a little bit. He keeps them, you know on task in a fun way and uh he's he's just he's a clever dude he's fun to be around the team would not be complete with without a guy like fixer though uh delta four zero he's uh he's more or less the second in command he's kind of like the teacher's pet a little bit he's it's <laughs> always like hey cut the chatter you know stay focused he's, he's so stern and by the book and it's like yeah he's a bit of a killjoy but it's hard not to like him for me at least yeah mm. i don't know <laughs> you're not a fan <laughs> Not a, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of a jerk, but, you know, hey, everybody has their spot in Delta Squad. And then, uh, yeah. you know, last but not least, we got our, our boy Sev. I was just about to say, no love the for Sev? Sev? Psycho. No, there's no love for Sev. <laughs> I love Sev. Sev is awesome. He's, I love... he's a little creepy, but I like him. <laughs> little creepy. Yeah, a little, little creepy. <laughs> Putting that in quotes. I mean, I feel like the game just didn't respect Sev either. But yeah, Sev, Sev is definitely mentioned last on purpose. <laughs> the fiercest hunter of all your brethren is how he's introduced, and that's very apt. He, he it, honestly, boil it down. He just loves to kill. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah, he just does. a bloodthirsty guy. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, they pulled so... him out of the tank, killing people. Like it's it's incredible. <laughs> He came out of the cloning vats with a knife in his hand. There, the the Caminoans pulled him out. And they're like, "Oh, we didn't give him that knife, did we? <laughs> Where'd that come from?" <laughs> but yeah, uh, you mentioned he's not respected, Lawrence. Uh, it's, uh, re- we'll remember that. We'll get back to that. But I, 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 I do, I do think that the most memorable part of this game for me is just the relationship between these four troopers, these these brothers who form an elite fighting force and uh, that's what we're getting into today we want to talk about how these are guys cloned and created from the same genetic template they're clones of the same man they're meant to be identical but they're anything but when you get to know them and you fight with them and work with them they really emerge as unique personalities so we wanted to you know kind of get into where that comes from and what, how that makes them special as characters and as a, uh, as a plot device in a otherwise straightforward shooter game. Let's, let's get into how personalities can uh, kind of appear when you're talking about clones. We, we've talked about clones before here on Lore Party, um, but specifically in regards to Delta Squad, I find it curious. You know, they, um, they set themselves apart from each other pretty quickly early on in their, uh, in their training. And Jaden, I think you can give us a better idea of what they actually went through during their training yeah um so the one of the big things that sets them apart from the regular rank and file clone troopers um they were all trained on their standard programs but the commandos were actually trained uh by mandalorian mercenaries who were hired by Django fett because of their skill sets and they were organized into groups of you know four and told hey this is your instructor he's going to get you he's going to teach you 
how to be a squad, how to be how to be true Mandalorians. In fact, uh, the Republic Commandos, they were almost more Mandalorian than clone trooper by the end of the war. Hmm. Uh, some of the Mandalorian teachers, they would teach them how to speak Mandoid. They would teach them, you know, the warrior's code and all that stuff. But the Delta squad, their trainer was, was a man by the name of Wulan Vao. And he was considered one of the more brutal instructors. He was kind of a dick, which is why Sev is kind of a dick. <laughs> Sev is the only one in the group that <laughs> they, was like... They were all pretty brutal, though, so that's that's saying something. Yeah, right? they were all just... They, I mean, this was the hardest training ever. And then on top of that, there you got Vow, who's like, I'm just going to make it ten times worse. And Sev was apparently the only one who was actually grateful for the training, which should tell you <laughs> that you a he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems about Sev. <laughs> right. Isn't isn't something uh, Waylon Vow said, uh, something along the lines of, um, you can't prepare... A soldier for war unless you make him stare death in the face the, something like that the quote is uh you can't breed soldiers with flash learning and simulation they must come face to face with death itself there it is yeah and and come face to face with death they did they they were really thrown directly into the crucible as it were when the clone wars kicked off uh, early on you know as early as the battle of geonosis you know we, that we see in uh, episode two uh, Delta Squad and many other units of clone co- of Republic Commandos were kind of tossed into the battle on Geonosis a little haphazardly, maybe? We could get into like how maybe the Commandos were misused in that situation, but suffice to say, they saw some really brutal combat. They took the brunt of uh, some of the worst of that conflict throughout their careers. But they kept surviving and kicking ass. That's if, right. If you want to look at the bigger picture, the Battle of uh, Geonosis, um, it wants a victory for the clones. It's actually like a horrible defeat because the entire clone army was engaged on Geonosis at that point, and they lost like a third of their soldiers in that battle. That's yeah, pretty messed up. Which just shows you how terrible Jedi are to generals. We'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> That's not, a whole other episode, I'm sure. Not to quote Futurama at all but it just reminds me of the zap brannikin thing oh it's like i sent a wave after my wave after wave of my own men at the kill bots because they had a predetermined kill limit (laughs) (laughs) expert strategy that's that's what we call a pro gamer move general krell and zap brannikin would have a nice drink together (laughs) that's true the jedi were just trying to pull off a pro gamer move that's all we just don't understand it we're not high iq enough exactly but that leaves us with Delta Squad itself and kind of the question of how exactly their personalities emerged. We we discussed their training. You know, that's actually a great point that Jaden raises. The fact that Delta, as well as the other commando units, were given very hands-on individualistic training. They weren't trained in huge, like, platoon, battalion-level groups. It was just the four of them and their one instructor and that really instilled in them, like Waylon Val wanted, it really instilled in them a sense of, these are your brothers. These three men around you are all you have to rely on. They are fingers on your hand. They are the, the organs in your body. They are the other parts of yourself. So it instilled a huge, very fierce sense of loyalty among them. And I think it's my personal kind of contention that that really encourages the members of Delta Squad to kind of set themselves apart, stand out, bring something unique to the situation that the other members of your squad don't. Right. Like, 
they work as one cohesive unit. Like, together, they're like one soldier that's just broken into separate parts. Right. And there's also the factor of just kind of their engineering to begin with, how they're created to begin with, is that commandos are kind of designed and bred to be more creative and individualistic than the standard frontline troopers. They are, it's it's part of their uh, genetic makeup and part of their mission profile to think outside the box. It's kind of a combination of how they're trained, how they're raised, and even just how they were created to begin with that kind of makes them what they are and encourages the development of unique personalities. Right. They're kind of like the Marines of Star Wars clone troopers, in mm-hmm. a sense. Or special ops, maybe. It's probably a bit Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're definitely the behind enemy lines, operate with limited you know, oversight and support. They, and you can't just send standard troopers on missions like that. They, they won't know what to do. So you need commandos to be uh, very self-sufficient. You know, they need they need to have a strong sense of self to do what they do. And I think what we might cover this later too, but I, I think what, what what makes Delta Squad stand out, I guess, in the Star Wars universe is more like they could you could make a specialized clone trooper that's just really, really good at one thing. I th- it's the fact that they also have like these unique personalities that are tied to those skills. So they're not always serious and by the book. Right. Scorch for instance, got his name for blowing up, uh, you know, fucking up an explosive and burning off some eyebrows. Right. And it's just like he quotes rules to be like funny and ironic. Um, but like he's still very specialized in explosives or you could, you know, breed a trooper that's just like basically like a droid and they're just really good at blowing stuff up. But they have like the personality and the the. um I guess just, yeah, just the personality to go along with it that I think create builds that team dynamic. That's an interesting point. You actually see that in the game as well. Like you said, Scorch has, you know, a personal uh, affinity for explosives. He just loves blowing stuff up. Sev is the marksman of the team. He, he lives for that kill shot and lining up, you know, a long distance kill. He loves it. So he's, he's the designated sniper. Fixer is very technical. He likes to, you know, make machines do what he needs to do. He's slicing into computers and stuff like that. He's an expert at that. So they all have kind of predilections and preferences for certain things. They have skills that are innate to them and that they find fulfillment in, in a lot of ways. But at the same time, they're commandos. They're, they're trained to be very versatile. So you can still have Sev, you know, wire a bomb. You can still have Scorch uh, hack a door. You can still have Fixer, you know, take up a sniping position. And they're all equally effective in all those roles. So it's like that just speaks to their personalities, too. Like, I can do pretty much anything the team needs me to do, but I like this specific job. So it's it's interesting. It, uh, it's once again speaks to these unique motivations that they have. And, you know, these things that set them apart as individuals and boss himself, you know, it comes down to him. He's made and born to make those decisions, you know, kind of delegate. You do this, you do that, make call the orders, you know, call the shots. And they're all basically just doing what they were made to do. But the difference is, like you pointed out, Lawrence, they weren't they're not just doing what they're made to do. They're also enjoying it (laughs) in some way or another. Right. And it goes like, you know, you even see that with just their names, like. Right. They're getting their name there. You know, they have these designations. You have a like a code designation as a clone trooper, but then you get this name based off of some unique trait or something like dumb or fun that you've done. 
Right. One of my favorite examples of naming is not from this game, but from the universe itself. Uh, one of the Clone Troopers and Domino's squadron uh, always got killed first in their simulation, so they named him Droid Bait. <laughs> Young clone troopers can be so cruel. Which, They're like school children. The meanest thing in the world. Like, I don't have a name. Your name is Guy Who Dies First. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dark. <laughs> By the way, these are his friends who gave him this name. It wasn't like a... Right. <laughs> They're just so tired of him getting killed every right, time. Right, these are people who like you. God, they're they're a grim bunch, these troopers. But uh, that speaking of Jaden, I was I was curious about you know something else we wanted to get into here was examples of other clones with unique personalities. You know, it's it's not just the commandos, it's not just Delta Squad. They they are kind of the topic here, but you know, for context's sake, there are characters all over the canon who happen to be clones of Jango Fett. They're part of the Grand Army of the Republic, but They've really, they really developed their own personalities and motivations throughout the war. There's, you know, Captain Rex, a big part of the Clone Wars car- cartoon series. Commanders such as Gree, Cody, Wolf, they all kind of became individuals. But I wanted to ask you, you know, what other, uh, what other examples do you have of clones that sort of developed their own personalities throughout the war in different ways? Well, um, one of the big ones that I can remember, there's two squads that I always always talk about. Um, there's the uh, Domino Squadron, which is one of my favorites, but it's, it's kind of a tragic group. Uh, and they kind of lead into the uh, the 501st Legion, which is, of course, Anakin Skywalker's clone battalion later on Vader's Fist. Um, there's a great uh, episode arc in the Clone Wars uh, where you see Domino Squadron getting trained, and they each one of them has individual personalities already there based on the fact that they're the worst clone squadron to go through <laughs> training, which is really funny to me. Right, they're the rejects, basically. You know, there's those guys, and they, they uh, the survivors of that group, they get sent to uh, the research station, they're guarding that research station, and then they get wiped out. Poor droid bait ends up getting droid baited, because of course he does. <laughs> he lives up to his name. He absolutely, he's literally the first one to die in the episode, and it's my favorite thing in the world that that's his name. Like why we get some should... F's in the chat for droid bait. Oh, poor droid bait. Um, <laughs> and then we see from there, they actually get accepted into the 501st. The survivors do anyways. And um, you actually see that the, the squadron of the 501st, they're unique just from the fact that um, they kind of become unorthodox themselves after working with Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, or Anakin Skywalker, who we all know is a very unorthodox person himself. In fact, uh, during the Umbara arc, uh, Anakin Skywalker's been recalled to Coruscant, and they get a new general, and that and General Krell, who just goes, "Hey, clones, run at that wave of enemies like you are normally supposed to do," and they all go, "Wait, what? That's not what we do here. We're the five hundred first. We come up with wacky ways to get out of these situations." He's like, "I don't care. Run at those explosions. Die, die for me." And they actually get reprimanded because they come up with creative ways to get around the defenses. Like, they steal uh, enemy fighters, fly them up, and blow up a capital ship controlling the droids, and they land, and the general's like, you guys disobeyed orders. You're going to the firing squad. Wow. And they're like, but this is what we're supposed to do. We're the 501st. We come up with wacky scenarios. See, I think one one of my favorite examples is also from Domino Squad. Um, it's just heavy. Oh, heavy. He didn't, yeah, he didn't survive the uh, initial introduction of them, but, like, you see him grow from, like, he doesn't necessarily have, like, a, a leader's personality. He's more of a hothead. Um, he's, like, 
kind of a mix of uh, Sev and Scorch. Like he's more hot blooded, and he's looking for for action. And I think like he hates that he's on this outpost because he doesn't see it as being important, even though he comes to realize it is important. And you know he makes an ultimate sacrifice for the rest of his um, the rest of his team. But you see him go from just like kind of like hot blooded, like just jackass, to um, just shows a lot of leadership qualities and he makes the ultimate sacrifice. So he's unique in a way where like he starts one way and ends another way, which I, I think it shows that clones in general are more dynamic. Right. And that, that leads me to a, uh, a thought I had. We're talking about Delta squad as a, as a family unit, as well as a fighting unit who, you know, all develop their own personalities and they're, they have a very unique bond, but through these other examples, I think we're seeing that individualism among clone troopers is almost inevitable. It, you know, Delta Squad had you know their own training regimen, and they had they, they were bred in a specific way to come out a certain way. But looking at all the uh, stories of clone troopers that grew into their own and became individuals and you know formed bonds with each other, it's almost like the breeding and the training are kind of not necessarily irrelevant, but they don't, they're not the end all be all. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think it's, it's the, the, the experiences and in and outside of battle. I think that ultimately define the way like a clone becomes. The example that I would, I would give is, you know, you have 10 people in a room. Each one of them sits down to eat their meal. They don't all do the same thing. You know, one person might sit down, he might eat the potatoes first. The next person might eat the steak first. The third person might uh, take a drink of his water and then drink the water so long that the steak gets cold, and therefore his meal tastes terrible versus the buddy next to him who ate the steak when it was still hot. That was very profound. That's that's deep, man. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Thank you. Jedi Master like Jaden over here. <laughs> that's right. Now when I eat my uh, steak first, I'll think of you. Aw, thanks, man. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> now I'm hungry. What were we talking so... about? <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this conversation going, but first, a quick break. We interrupt this podcast for a preview for a different podcast. I'm Bruce, a regular contributor to Lore Party. In the unforgiving world of the gods, there is an endless, vicious cycle of fathers killing sons, brothers killing brothers, and sons killing mothers. But Kratos, the ghost of Sparta, looks to end that cycle with his son Atreus, as they journey through the various realms of the Norse pantheon. Tune into our God of War episodes where my co-host Abu and I discuss the latest installment in the God of War series from 2018 and the insightful ways the game creates more depth in a beloved franchise. Just check out our lore party feed and search God of War. It should be easy to find. We now continue your regularly scheduled podcast. So... This, regardless of how they were bred, how they were raised, were they destined to kind of take on their personalities no matter what? Like, let's let's say hypothetically Delta Squad was raised in a really peaceful setting. They weren't even soldiers. They were just kind of cloned from Django Fett and then, you know, raised in like a generic kindergarten and like, hey, go play outside. You know, they weren't given weapons and trained how to fight together. Would they still kind of... A, develop those personal characteristics like would 
boss still be kind of an analytical tactical thinker would fixer be really you know focused on his goals and kind of you know buy the numbers and serious would sev still be really competitive and maybe psychopathic you know would scorch still be a funny guy it's it's like interesting to think about we've gotten into this a little bit before but is individualism among clones inevitable or are they purely products of their environments and their circumstances See, I think that what you would see in those situations wouldn't necessarily be the same personality, but I do think that we would see something similar and that there would be differences between them. Because because I think it, the fact that we have clones that are... The, the Delta Squad, it, they're, it's two-part. One part is they're specialized in some form of combat, and then the second part is they've got this, like oddly specific or unique personality trait that goes along with it. But I think the fact that they have different personalities than one another also shows that they would be different in these situations. Like, I don't know necessarily know if their personalities would match their situations. Like, I think that Scorch would still be like kind of sarcastic and like wisecracking asshole it's just that he'd be a sarcastic wisecracking asshole in a different setting like probably right. less explosives but hopefully like you know he's working at like space home depot uh just <laughs> really ragging on his boss or a new employee or something right it's hard to picture but that's kind of a uh, where the evidence leads us i guess to me that kind of speaks to what I think is the strength of many of the best Star Wars stories. I, I personally feel like the best Star Wars stories out there are all about self-determination and kind of finding your place in the galaxy, even if you have to fight for that place. And to me, Delta Squad specifically, they're a great example that proves that even if you were born with a specific purpose and you were created as a copy of another person, you can still become a unique individual in your own right. And it's kind of like you find your own path, even though, even if it fits on a path that was predetermined for you, you make it your own in some way or another. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, I mean, to some extent, Delta Squad, even though they're specialized, they're clones, so they were, you know, made to be expendable. And I, I think that clones kind of know that. But even even so, like, you know, we mentioned earlier that sev was you know the game didn't respect sev i mean sev <laughs> sev gets overwhelmed and uh right is basically is missing an action but immediately when he radios out their first instinct is to go and help sev it's not like you know this is hey you know this is what you were made for like sorry right um you know they and you know this is a really um disciplined squad they do take orders well but they were like all prepared to run you know back into uh enemy territory and you know find their their brother and bring him back or die trying that's a great point about how on some level they all understand that they are made to be expendable like they kind of accept that that's part of the job to them like yeah this this line of work this life that we have in front of us could very easily will probably kill us at some point but when faced with the situation of, hey, our our brother is uh, in trouble, and they're given the order, hey, move on, you need to rally, and you know we have other, you have work to do. It's it's put to them. This entire operation, it's on Kashyyyk at the time. It's like a battle of Kashyyyk is starting, 
and they're told this entire operation can't be jeopardized because of one commando. And Scorch's response is, he's talking about my pod brother there. It's like, you think that's just one commando, but that's a that's a quarter of our family you're talking about. So it's uh it's high stakes. Yeah, like they, they take orders, they they take their orders seriously, they take their mission very seriously, but that brotherhood, that bond between them is uh kind of above all and it underlines everything else about their lives. Right. And I, I do believe Delta Squad was so effective in the field and in their missions because of their unique personalities. I think those personalities were strengths, not liabilities. You know, we hear talk all the time about in combat situations, emotions are, you know, a risk. You can't afford them. But I think Delta squad proved that their emotions are, they can be powerful. They can be a resource for you. The chemistry that they shared with each other, their creativity and their individualism, I think forged an unbreakable bond that saw them through all the chaos and violence that the galaxy could throw at them. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.